We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Well, it was a decision that, you know, brought upon by Leslie, and, and he, he wants to take a year off. And, and so he's done a really good job with mm-hmm. our defense. And the seasons get long, and they get long. And as you guys know, as a player and, and as a coach, I mean, they're, they're not easy, and, and for anyone, staff included. So, you know, this is something that he wants to do, and, and we support him through it. That is um, Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, on One Bill's Live yesterday. The big news yesterday, Leslie Frazier stepping away from coaching for the 2023 season. And the Bills really not sure what's going to happen after that. Uh, Frazier had said, told the Bills he would want to come back to coaching in 2024. But Brandon Bean said, yeah, we don't know if it's here or what's going on. They're going to figure it out down the road. We are going to the Western Hotline for a lot of Bills talk. It is Wednesday. It's, you know, a little bit after 8. Uh, so that means Joe Marino is joining us from the Locked On Bills podcast on the Odyssey app, and he is cranking out episodes with a lot to cover. Joe, it's Howard and Joe. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm doing well, and I uh, hope you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a good place. Uh, Joe, so Leslie Frazier news comes down yesterday. Let's start with your initial reaction or your reaction to the news, and we'll get into some details and layers to the story. Well, it, it feels a little late in the game for the Bills to have to you know, consider a, a change at defensive coordinator, but it sounds like after the week off uh, that the coaches were given, he came back and made this decision, and it sounds like you know, from all indications, listening to McDermott and Bean yesterday, that if Frazier wanted to continue as the defensive coordinator, he would have. Uh, and so it kind of takes away the speculation about how the decision was made or who, you know, was it the Bills initiated? It sounds like Leslie Frazier legitimately wanted to take this year away from football. And so uh, puts the Bills in an interesting spot. I, I think fortunately for them, it's on the defensive side of the football where Sean McDermott's background is. And you, know, you certainly have a lot of uh, bright names, whether it's a Bobby Babbage or a John Butler Al Holcomb, Eric Washington, a lot of experience on that side of the football. And so uh, the Bills are probably in a good position to handle it on that side, but uh, obviously a, a little wrinkle here as the free agency approaches. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. Joe and I, this Joe and I, talked about this yesterday when the news, the news came down in our final hour of the show and some of the national media are tweeting out, this is major, this is significant. And I'm like, no, it isn't. Yeah. It's not. I mean, Brian Dable leaving a year ago, was major. This is the defensive coordinator on a staff headed by a defense, former defensive coordinator, defensive-minded head coach. It's not a big deal. And I'm not. I'm not trying to diminish Leslie Frazier's contributions uh, to yeah. that side of the ball. But this is. I, you said late in the game, like, yeah, it was portrayed that way. Like, oh my God, the Bills are screwed. What are they going to do? 
No, because McDermott could do it. Um, Al Holcomb has been a defensive coordinator, and you mentioned some of the other guys on the staff, you know, Butler, Babich, Washington. I'm really not worried about it at all, quite honestly. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it, and I don't think that's diminishing the reality of the situation. I think it is just the reality of the situation. Um, that's that's the Bills bread and butter is it's supposed to be on that defensive side of the football and I think what makes it what makes it interesting is I think we can all really respect uh, so much of Leslie Frazier and his contributions and how good those defenses were uh, pretty much year in year out I mean um, very high in total defense DVOA scoring however you want to measure defense you'll you'll find a good story uh, in, in the numbers uh, but where it gets a little bit more difficult is while you can respect all of that, it feels like in those biggest moments, in those playoff elimination games, you look at the last uh, three years against the Bengals and two against the Chiefs, and you can go back four years and talk about uh, second-half meltdown where the defense allowed 22 points in the second half against Houston and lost, and realize that there's some chinks in the armor and in, in that um, the really top-end quarterbacks really didn't have much of an issue of um, playing against the Leslie Frazier scheme and some of the more passive tendencies of coverage alignments and um, were able to really exploit the Bills in some of the biggest moments during his tenure. So I think that's, you know, for as much good as was that was accomplished, I, I think you kinda, you're kind of left wanting a lot more in those elimination games and you kind of get curious about what this can mean for the Bills in those moments going forward. Will they have a better result against top quarterbacks in the playoffs you know, without Leslie Frazier, we'll see. Without Frazier and personnel changes, I know we're in the unknown still on Edmonds and Poyer and the rest of it, but are you thinking about whether or not the defense schematically could look any different next year? Would that be more personnel-based for you than Frazier leaving? Well, perhaps, yeah. I, I think that's – it could be both, though, Joe, honestly. I mean, you're, you could be looking at a defense here with some, some really – different looking pieces whether that's that Mike linebacker or that safety spot opposite of Micah Hyde getting Micah Hyde back you know at some point Von Miller being back probably Kyer Elam entrenched as that corner opposite of Trey White so there's a there's enough personnel change possibility that leads me to believe that there could be some new look stuff there but also you know just the 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 nature of who's calling the plays whether that's uh, somebody like a Bobby Babich in their first role year of doing that, or Sean McDermott, who I think historically has been a much more aggressive play caller uh, than what we've seen from Mosley Frazier. So I think there's a pretty clear path for this defense to look a little bit different uh, moving forward, and hopefully that uh, proves to be a good different in some of those big games. Joe, Joe stole my question, so I'll follow <laughs> up on your answer to his because I think this is a natural follow. You mentioned one yeah. word, that, that at, and I think Brandon Bean used the same word when describing Sean McDermott's play calling in Carolina. Aggressive. Okay, Mr. Marino, when you say aggressive, what do you mean? Um, like, I would hear that and think, are they going to blitz more? Are they going to take more chances? I mean, they don't blitz a lot. They like to use rush with the front four. They keep their safeties back. They don't give up. They don't gamble too much. They don't want to give up the big play over the top. Um, what, when you say aggressive, how might that translate into what we see on the field? Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that Sean McDermott's been known for is an understanding of what the bread and butter is for an opponent on offense and then being very aggressive with how he counters that and really has uh, been willing to accelerate the offense's process, whether it's through coverage spacing, whether it's through, through really dynamic coverage rotations and, and 
disguising intentions and also just complementing some of where he wants to send the rush um, versus where that's probably going to put the quarterback in terms of their progression and kind of really um, take some things away from them that they want and accelerate their process and force them into mistakes. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of it as a, okay, he's going to send the house all the time, mm-hmm. but I think a little bit more dynamic of a, of a, a philosophy to be very intentional about forcing the offense into places on the field that they don't typically want to go. Uh, if that makes sense. And I yeah. think that comes from, like I said, a lot of coverage shell rotation. And, um, you know, I, I think about some of the game plans, even against the Dolphins prior to this season where, you know, there was just a, a keen understanding of what they wanted to achieve. And, and I would almost label some of the, the, the game plans that we've seen the Bills have as disrespectful just because of how aggressive they were to know what they wanted to do and, and, and really force the action. So I think that's more the aggressive that I would label a Sean McDermott uh, play caller. I, I don't know if you read this too, but Peter King wrote about Jalen Ramsey the other day, and I'm not going to ask you about Jalen Ramsey, but he wrote, like, of the teams that, oh, this would make sense for, he wrote the Bills. And me and Sal went off about it the other day in the Extra Point Show, but what it did, Joe, was made me think about corner for the first time since the end of the season. And now, with Frazier leaving, it has me thinking about it again. Tredavious White, at the end of the year, after coming back from the injury, Kyer Elam being kind of in and out all year, is it as simple as they're your one and two? And if that's the case, I guess how rock solid should Bills fans feel about those two going into next year? I think it should be. I mean, Trey White, obviously a handsomely played player um, that I think at times last year looked like himself. Um, and I think with a full off season of just getting ready to play football and not rehabbing a knee will put him in a good position to hit the ground running. And, and obviously there's a big investment there. And, you, know, you just traded up for Kyrie Elam in the first round last year. I think that it should be pretty cut and dry that that's your starting corner tandem. And then I think on top of that, you can really like the depth that you have with a Christian Benford and what he was able to prove as a late-round rookie last year. And then even Dane Jackson, who I understand is a restricted free agent, but I think there's probably a pretty clear clear path for the Bills to be able to bring him back as a depth option um, if you're, you know, if they, if they want to, um, even with the dynamics of a restricted free agent. So I, I think the Bills, from a starter position, they have high upside talent. From a depth position, position they have both established depth in Dane Jackson and, and young, intriguing depth in Christian Benford. So, I feel pretty comfortable with this corner situation, and I, I do look at it as a pretty cut-and-dry uh, deal, although, you know, <laughs> you start to, to start moving around pieces here and, and you feel like Benford has to go to safety and you don't bring back Jackson. Now you got questions about your depth. Like, it can change quickly in the NFL, as we know. So uh, on the surface right now, it looks pretty stable, but we all know that can change quickly. You know, yesterday was staff changes, of course. It wasn't just the Leslie Frazier news. That was the big news. But there were officially um, new assistants hired or announced. And I wanted to bring that up, Joe, because I think while we're focusing, of course, on Frazier and what's going to happen with the play caller on defense, to me, there are two guys that we should look at, two new 
uh, guys on this staff. One is the receivers coach, Adam Henry. The other one is Joe Dana, the safety coach, who McDermott was raving about like he had really good referrals on. He'd never worked with him. Those guys have key roles going forward, if you think about this, right? Because, you know, the new receiver coach coming in, we're going to need more consistency from Gabe Davis. He's going to work with a young Khalil Shakir in year two. I think a lot of us, Joe, are hoping he'll be working with a day one or day two draft pick to develop. And the safety coach, after years of Poyer and Hyde, it's a good chance Poyer's gone. Maybe Hyde after next season. You could be turning over both starting spots and looking for young guys to develop there. So, Frazier was the news, but I think those are two really important hires because they're going to be placed. Uh, they're going to be dealing with some some key players at those positions. Yeah, and you know what I think about when I consider both of those spots, and I think that's a, a really good angle to to look at this from, um, is the, the fact that you have replaced young coaches and a Jim Salgado, who was your safeties coach, was relatively new in the league, and you know certainly doesn't have a fifteen year resume like. Uh, Joe Dana does, um, and then even a coach, uh, wide receiver. You mentioned Chad Hall being out, who you know, he's been with McDermott for, well, you know, I think since he's been in Buffalo, but still a relatively young coach in the league. You replace it with with Adam Henry, who's you know very established, played in the league, um, worked with a lot of high profile receivers throughout his time with the 49ers, Giants, Browns, Cowboys. Of course, his time in LSU. So I feel like you've got a lot more experience and two of the biggest shifts that you've made in your coaching staff at wide receivers coach and safeties coach. And I think if you foil that with the point that you made about the changes and need for development at both spots, I think you can find some optimism in that you've gained experience at the expense of maybe some some names you've been familiar with over the last couple of seasons. We're with Joe Marino, Locked on Bills podcast on the Odyssey app, 8030550. Have any Bills questions, comments, or opinions? On your latest episode, you go through like clues on what Bean and McDermott kind of gave away about certain positions yesterday. And let's start with receiver. Should should we rule anybody out after what Bean and McDermott said about receiver, including Bean calling Gabe Davis the number two? Well, I, I think the messaging has been extremely consistent from both McDermott and being about Gabriel Davis, their belief in him, their confidence in him. I mean, how many times have we heard Brandon Bean say nobody outworks Gabe Davis and anything that was an issue last year, well, you know, he, they, they fully expect it to be taken care of. And, you know, for them to both bring up the high ankle sprain going into week two, it, like it definitely felt like there was a lot of love to be shared uh, regarding their feelings of Gabriel Davis in that role. And so um, it certainly leads me to believe that he's, on track to be that guy. And it makes me wonder about, you know, what the plan is to really elevate the weaponry around uh, Josh Allen at the skill spots. And and I like that Sean McDermott mentioned um, Khalil Shakir, a young player that they like and what he can mean in year two. But it felt like the questions about wide receivers, Brandon Bean wanted to kind of redirect them towards, we want playmakers and, when he talked about playmakers and he was asked to follow up about, okay, what, what, uh, what is the characteristic of a playmaker in your mind? The first thing he mentions is run after catch ability, which is something I've been talking about for years. I mean, Josh Allen's been dead last in the NFL the last two years at yards after catch per completion. And I think he was like 24th three years ago. So just never really um, having much production in that regard. And I thought it was interesting that Brandon Bean's first opportunity uh, or first thing he said about when asking about playmakers was was run after catchability and and so it leads me to believe that maybe they're 
willing to be creative with um, how they add talent to this offense. And maybe it's one of these more twitchy slot receivers that, you know, can uncover quick and, you know, take a short pass into a long one. Or, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, even weaponizing the tight end position a little bit more. And you got a really good crop of tight ends. And Brandon Bean kind of admitted that yesterday. So it leads me to believe that there's um, some – it, it might not be the, the investment at, re, I guess, receiver slash weapon um, won't necessarily come in the form of a number two, but maybe more in an X factor, whether that's a slot guy or one of these, you know, speedy, smaller backs, you know, that they can weaponize in different ways or even a tight end. So uh, it certainly opened my mind to more possibilities than just a number two re- or challenger for Gabe Davis. I feel like he's in, in track, whether you like it or not, to, uh, again, push for 100 targets in this offense next year. All right, let me piggyback off that. Based on what you just talked about with them talking about Davis and Shakir, I and, and this is not new. For, from day one here, both of these guys truly believe when you build a football team, you start up front. The offensive line and the defensive line. And again, yesterday, um, you know, Brandon Bean, they were both asked about the offensive line. And in his answer about offensive line investments, Bean talked about how you always look up front first before you get to playmakers. And when McDermott, Joe, was asked about the offensive line, hey, some good things at times. You know, we ran the ball better in the second half, but sometimes the quarterback was affected too early. They're going to take a first-round pick and use it on an offensive lineman, Joe. Is that, is that a, that's a take for put you, it in, huh? Put it in ink. I wouldn't say use blood because I'm, I mean, I'm, I faint at the sight of blood. Yes, they're going to. The wide receiver train took a hit yesterday in the first round yeah. of the draft. I think that's fair. I think it's a fair way to look at it. Um, I mean, I also thought it was interesting that Brandon Bean, when asked about the offensive line, he by name said, well, we've got Deion, Mitch, Bates, and Spencer. He didn't, he didn't um, initially say Saffold. Yeah. No, and then he kind of came back and, and said, Roger. Well, Apple, Roger right. is a free right. agent. So, like, yep. I, I wonder if they consider this um, as more of a left guard or right whatever. You Maybe you move Bates back to left guard. You need a guard and you need depth um, as, as more than anything. And I know that there's a lot of mixed opinions out there about Spencer Brown and, you know, his viability as the, the present and future at right tackle. Um, but uh, I, I tend to think that the team believes that he is. And, I, you know, when Dean lumped him in with those other guys who are all paid vets, right, in, in you know, have multi-year extensions. And, and then uh, I think about what Sean McDermott said in his year-end presser about, you know, just some of the challenges that Spencer's had. But um, with coming out of a back surgery all off season, the physical upside there, just kind of his journey, it feels like they believe he's the right tackle. Um, so if it comes, I think it would come in the form of a guard, but I also wonder, you know, if this is such an important thing, if they don't look at some of these free agents, whether that's a mm-hmm. Ben Powers or a Dalton Risner, um, Isaac Siamalu, right? It feels like there's a bunch of guards that they can go after in free agency. So I hear you on that potential first round, but, you know, if, if this is such a priority, maybe they do look at a veteran. Um, geez, there's so much stuff, and we're not going to get to all of it. I want okay, go ahead, and then I, I got say, a quick question on free agency. How about you. running back? How would you handicap um, the odds Devin Singletary comes back after Bean talked about expanded workload and touches and whatnot for uh, for James Cook? I think that's going to come down to what Devin Singletary's market is, and I'll tell you what, I don't think he's hitting free agency at a good time. We have a very good free agent crop of running backs: Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery. 
looks like Leonard Fournette's going to be part of that mix. Miles Sanders, I mean, Alexander Madison. There's a lot of good free agent running backs, and then you have a good running back draft. And that doesn't bode well for Devin Singletary, who I think is a, a good player, right? I think he's a guy that can touch the ball 150 times for your offense. He's dependable. He hasn't gotten injured. Uh, you know, I think you know exactly what you're getting. Um, and there's been growth, right? He became a better short yardage player this year. He's, his receiving ability has really grown throughout the four seasons that he's been with the Bills. And you, know, you, hear, you hear McDermott and Bean and even Josh Allen just talk about what type of teammate he is and a selfless player. Like, there's a lot of appeal there. Um, it just comes down to dollars. You know, I think last year, or if in a vacuum, if you said, what is Devin Singletary's market going to be? I would look at recent contracts for like a Melvin Gordon or a, a Chase Edmonds, and those guys got like six, seven million dollars a season. I just don't think Devin Singletary's entering free agency at a good time for him to maximize his earnings potential. And so if he's looking for that six, seven million dollar a year deal, I don't think it's going to be there for him which could put him in a position to come back to Buffalo on uh, a short deal that maybe positions himself to enter uh, uh, a free agency at a better time for him. So his market's going to be really fascinating, but I'm nervous for him that the timing here is just really off. All right, Joe, I'm gonna, I've, I've figured out out of all these things I want to ask you, I've whittled it down to one. I'm going to throw three names at you. Uh, one is already on the free agent market. Two are apparently about to be. You let me know if you like any of them for the Bills. Granted, in the context of they're over the cap, they're going to have to restructure, yeah. probably some releases to get under the cap, and yada, yada, yada. Bobby Wagner, Leonard Fournette, Kenny Galladay. Okay, hard, hard pass on Leonard Fournette and Kenny Galladay. Um, Leonard Fournette, just a, just a very inconsistent player throughout his career, um, just doesn't interest me. I think you can find that downhill back in so many different ways. And same with Kenny Galladay. I mean, I just, I, the appeal there is just not – doesn't exist for me. I think you have that player. You probably have a better version of that in Gabe Davis, to be honest with you. And I just – the disappointment of Galladay, I, I wouldn't sign up for that. With Bobby Wagner, though, I, I perk up. Um, I think if you – don't bring back Tremaine Edmonds. Obviously, that opens up a lot of possibilities with what you could do with the cap space that you were going to give to Tremaine Edmonds, including finding a, a you know viable starting inside linebacker. And I think his experience in the NFL, what he showed last year with the Rams, tells you that at least for another season or two, he's got it. Um, and so that would definitely be an intriguing pivot option if the Bills aren't able to bring back Tremaine Edmonds. You know, if only somebody had a podcast about the Bills on the Odyssey app because uh, there's never any downtime, Joe. So combines going on, uh, you know, coaching news happening, the tampering period and free agency is just a couple weeks away. I, I know we hit a lot of your topics, but we left some stuff for your podcast. So promote what you've been doing, what you got going on there right now. Yeah, I appreciate that, Howard. Uh, Locked on Bills daily podcast on the Buffalo Bills all year long. So uh, we, we navigate through the entire season, obviously, the, the games, but the off-seasons where we have a lot of fun about roster construction and you know planning for the future and getting into some creative stuff with some nostalgic looks at you know some of the Bills uh, of the past. So daily podcasts on the Bills, you can find it on the Odyssey app. As always, a pleasure. Thank you, Joe, very much.
Uh, thank you, Howard. It's uh, Congratulations to you on a great run, and I'm just glad I got one more chance to speak with you on the air. Bugged you enough over the years. Now I'll let Jeremy and Joe bug you all the time. <laughs> Thanks always for your time, by the way. Yeah, appreciate it, Joe. Thank you, Howard. I appreciate you. Joe's on Twitter, at the Joe Marino, and a good guy. Of course, we ran into him through the Draft Network originally. He was a co-founder of the Draft mm-hmm. Network. They do outstanding work, and now he does uh, wonderful work on the Locked on Bills podcast on the Odyssey app. When we get back, I got a thought on James Cook. The fantasy community was eating up Brandon Bean's comments yesterday. Like fantasy the fantasy world yesterday was two things. <laughs> Rashad White hype. Oh well, yeah, because Fournette, Leonard Fournette got moving caught. on from Fournette because they have Rashad White. Yeah. And, and James Cook hype. Hey, for what it's worth, I know he said hard pass on Fournette. In a bad year for Tampa, he still had over eleven hundred total yards from scrimmage last year. He did. He was actually probably more effective as a receiver than a running back. I will year. err on the side of caution. Yeah. What was that chart I saw recently? There was a chart I saw recently. The, some like garbage time the, yards, basically. Yeah, yeah, it was that. And it was also, it was yards above expected. Uh, and he was, here well, he, it is, I pulled it up. Having had him briefly on my guillotine league team, his rushing stats as the season went on <laughs> were awful. Yeah. Next gen stats, I believe it was. Uh, it was, yeah, next gen stats last year. Every running back in the NFL, yards above expected, Leonard Fournette was dead last. Okay, so that's that's why Joe dead was having a hard pass. last. Yeah, I mean, really, he was probably on the field because Brady didn't want to get hit, and he yeah. didn't want to trust a rookie to pass protect for him. I wanted him on the field a little bit more. Maybe they knew better. It was hurting my fantasy team. Yeah. 803-0550 to join us. Uh, we are talking about uh, the Leslie Frazier news. We were talking about the Sabres loss last night, the trade deadline coming up. What do you think they need to add? Sal, by the way, will join us tonight. We'll talk more about the coaching news and the bills and everything going on in their world. So stay tuned for that phone lines always open for your questions comments opinions on wgr we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch minimum of four lines for 25 dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account five dollars more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. 35 dollars per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 